podcraft. This episode is sponsored by Still Point Wellness. I love Still Point Wellness. I love the staff. I love their services. They offer a very unique spa experience in Asheville. All of their services are designed to help you unplug from the stresses of today's modern world. And boy, do we all need that. They do it through services like saltwater flotation, also known as sensory deprivation, the world-renowned Esalen massage, cranial psychotherapy, and somatic psychology. They are locally owned and operated by my dear friends, Corey Costanzo and Robin Fan Costanzo. Corey is a somatic therapist and he teaches mindfulness meditation courses. And Robin is an internationally renowned massage instructor who was actually inducted into the Massage World Hall of Fame. Their highly skilled massage staff have each trained under Robin and each earned full certification to practice Esalen Massage. I love Esalen Massage. I know it. I'm an Esalen Massage practitioner. It is a fantastic massage. Together, Koi and Robin have created a world-class experience in understanding the mind-body connection through deep relaxation. So contact them at stillpointwell.com or call 828-348-5372. And don't forget to mention discount code PREPO to get 10% off your first float and first Esalen massage. I really believe that you're going to love the experience. whoop de doo When I'm right, I get the freaking booby prize of being right. I don't get, <laughs> I don't get more connection. I don't get more love. I don't mm-hmm. get more bonding. I just get to be right. whoop de doo right? Yeah, exactly. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. On this episode, men's work, having healthy male relationships. And I talk with Andy Bosley. Andy has lived at Earth Haven Echo Village in Black Mountain, North Carolina since 2002. And he started his journey into men's work in 2004 at the age of 24. He and his partner, Julie, started Yellow Root Farm CSA in 2005. And they have two children, age seven and four. He is currently studying to be an electrician specializing in residential solar power. And I chose to talk with Andy about men's issues because Andy was involved with the Mankind Project and the New Warrior Training some years ago. So he has some very good experiences to talk about how there's organizations out there that really support men to understand themselves and to have better connecting relationships with other men. So this episode is not just for men, but also for women to listen to, to understand men and their challenge of intimacy. It's men getting real with their vulnerability. So we talk about men supporting other men to let down their masks, 
how men are learning to have healthy expressions of anger and how to have real connections, not just bonding relationships. So give a listen. I hope you enjoy. Thanks for joining me today after the day after a nice storm in our area. And um, thanks. Great. We're going to talk about uh, men's relationships, healthy relationships with men, men with men. Big challenge that we have in our society. And I know a lot of men are um, looking for it, to have healthy relationships with other men. A lot of men don't know if they're looking for it or not. They're closed to it and they kind of think that um, it's not a route for them to go because of maybe stigma to getting close to another man. But um, I'm looking forward to us kind of exploring that issue because I know that you in the past have really dived into relationships with men in or organizations like uh, MK3, the Mankind Project, and you were very much involved some years ago. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear of why and how you got involved in, in that organization and even tell a little bit about it and talk about, you know, what you get out of it and so forth. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, it was, I was young when I joined it. I think I was 24 years old. Well, and up until that point, you know, never really had a serious sense of I should be circling with men. Hmm. And yeah, like I said... Chuck called me up one day, said, you should go to this. It was like that weekend, you know, and the, the, the training, the new warrior training adventure is what they call it. That the initiation was so eye opening. The first time I ever came in to real contact with the, the notion that my actions impact other people Hmm. and to have men look me in the eye and tell me that. How many men were? Um, there were there were thirty uh-huh. men. Yeah, and it is a uh, you know I have to be aware of you know it's a uh, purposely uh, not disclosing disclose yeah like, you yeah. know they they want it there there's aspects of it sure. that require a sort of a level of that not yeah. that I can't share some of, of my experience experience yeah, about it. really talking about the container they, they want yeah. men to to experience it themselves and not really know what's going on which yeah which i went in thinking oh we're gonna sit around and talk about men's stuff or whatever and it wasn't that Mm -hmm. i mean what was what was some of the experience can you talk about some yeah i mean it was just you know any initiation has the sort of the descent the tearing away of identity and tearing away of your comfort you know tearing you out of your comfort zone the descent into the unknown um and then the ordeal you know, I think is it Joseph Conrad who talks about like the or, you know, or uh, maybe it's Robert Bly. You know, the ordeal mm-hmm. going through the rooting through the muck yeah. of what's down there, and there's so much. And that's you know, and in some of the men, some of us men have a difficult time mm-hmm. going to the muck with other men witnessing because right the muck is vulnerable right, and we don't want to be vulnerable about other men. No, no, and and then there yeah, and then having those moments where you realize. Oh my God, every, that man who's experiencing their muck and I'm witnessing it, that's me. Mm. And I know exactly, it, the situation may not be exactly the same, but 
the words coming out of their mouth, that's exactly what I feel sometimes. So they were mirrors. Yeah, exactly a mirror. So witnessing is as much a part of it as doing the work, you know, of going into your own stuff. Um, and it can aid in going into your own stuff to, to witness these, you know, miracles, men shedding, you know, some of these men come, you know, I was, I was on the way on the young yeah. end of the spectrum. How, these, how old do you remember? What was maybe the oldest? There, oh, there was, there were somebody who I think was in their seventies. Yeah. And when I started coming back, when I came back to Asheville and started going to a regular group, I was with the man who was in his eighties, you know, and uncovering, digging in. And I think that, yeah, that multi-generational aspect of it too has a, a strong and powerful, uh, you, you know, it lends itself to a, a strong container. Mm. Um, when I think about how I used to, you know, and even still do to some degree, get together with men, you know, and I think about how that often happens in our society. It's your fraternity brothers or your, you know, your similar age, your high school buddies, yeah, your, your drinking buddies. Yeah. Your similar aged men with a very common experience, you know, they're going through their things, but they're, they're very common. And to, to, to be in a room with a older man going through something and, and looking and saying, well, that, that's going to be me one day, yeah. you wow. know? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so there's a powerful container there. I think that makes it stronger to have multi-generational aspect to it. Um, and yeah, there's a difference between, you know, men usually bond. We don't really connect, you know, mm -hmm. bonding is like, you know, sitting side by side, watching a football game, not saying a word to each other, but mm -hmm. afterwards looking and go, man, thanks. That was, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not connecting. So I'm imagining yeah. that yeah. some of that experiences that you had when, in the groups was way more of experiences of connection than just a bonding. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a connection um yeah to to be heard you know i mean so so much in what i experience in my personal relationship my intimate partnership is i i'm i i'm so attached to being right mm. you know and i i think that's true about men the biggest addiction baby yeah, man. the addiction to being right yeah yeah it's like <laughs> I, I like and i i i don't think it's a 100% but i think it's very common that men want to be right yeah. women want to feel heard that's right and I come to this, I've come to the realization that, wait a second, I also just want to be heard. Mm. And yeah, being right, wrong, I don't care anymore. Doesn't, what does that even mean, right or wrong? It's, you know, that's the great realization when we have this realization yeah. that whoop de doo when I'm right, I get the freaking booby prize of being right. I don't, <laughs> get, I don't get more connection. I don't mm -hmm. get more love. I don't mm -hmm. get more bonding. I just get to be right, whoop de doo right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so so feeling heard, like you're saying, connecting mm. is a way. You know, feeling heard is a way of connecting. So how how in the, mm. in the men's group and, and without disclosing, mm. you know, some of the sacredness of it, how do men be heard by each other? Yeah. Um. Well, there's a lot of circle circles and in going into different aspects, and then you know, there's the big, the big piece the the work the shadow work where you're witnessing someone step step out to do a facilitated 
apart into their own, into the depths of their own psyche, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, very much based on this shadow work concept of, you know, pulling out parts of you. What, what's, where's that voice coming from? Okay. Who does that look like? Where's that voice coming from? Who does that look like? How is that playing off, playing out inside of you? You comfortable in sharing something that maybe you shared in a process of what that looks like? Um, yeah, I think, you know, typically it's father related Mm -hmm. and that was what my piece was. And, um, and it's just a message that I got from a young age, um, from some, some, some way that my dad was disciplining me, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and it was a message that stuck with me and I, I can't remember it. It was 14 years ago. Mm. I can't remember it specifically right now what that message was, but, um, because I've done such good work. There you go. You <laughs> I, go. I don't even know that. I don't even know that <laughs> message that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then on the, the, the coming out of that depth of where I, you know, I raged against that mm. had to had to find my balls and really fight back against that voice. And it wasn't my dad. It's not like I needed to go fight my dad. I just needed to fight that voice that was present. So in that process, do you actually speak to the voice like your dad is oh, yeah. there? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody okay. comes out and, and I, I, yeah, somebody comes out. I mean, it, it's magical, hmm. you know, the way it all played out the week leading up to the thing and like certain things that happened in my life and just, it all just played itself out so perfectly in this magical way. And then to then have someone there to receive me and hold me and give me the message that I wanted to hear mm. that I, that the little boy inside of me needed to hear like a reparenting, right? The experience of reparenting yourself with other men witnessing it. Yes, somewhere. exactly. With other men holding me and mm. other men, you know, touching me, comforting me telling me this is you, you know and this is replacing that message with with a with a positive message with an affirmation with a that you're loved that yeah. you're accepted mm-hmm. instead of rejected yeah you are worth it that's mm-hmm. what it was for me it was a worth mm-hmm. a lot of self-worth like yeah you are worth taking the time to to feel and hold and yeah i mean that to to think who knows where I'd be 14 years later if I hadn't heard those messages. But to think that there's a lot of men walking around, you know, cause, cause on the same level of like men wanting to be right. Like I think that's based on a lot of like self-worth is being right. Right yeah. is power, you know? Yeah. And so self-worth. So to think that a lot of men walk through this life, not feeling worth worthy. Yeah. And they're like heads of, corporations or they're presidents. successful they're presidents, presidents. <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're, they're successful people yeah. and yet they don't feel in some base level a sense of worthiness and so they act like immature assholes that's right and you know i still acted like an asshole some after i did this it wasn't some healing yeah just situation overnight, right yeah but the realization like you said of like the unworthiness, which mm-hmm. also comes out in men in the aspects of feeling inadequate, mm-hmm. which gets expressed in anger, blame, stonewall, withdrawal, things that we right. do. 
Yeah. And I think one of that's one of the big things is around anger. A lot of men feel power through expression of anger. Yeah. But that's a misconception because actually when we do that, we disempower others. So therefore, mm-hmm. it's not empowerment. Empowerment to me is when through my power, I empower others, not disempower them. So right. I think men really need to understand that transformation of, of anger. Because mm-hmm. one purpose of anger is to control an external behavior. And men constantly try to do that when they're being confronted or they don't like something. They get angry because they're trying to control that external behavior. Mm-hmm. So I'm imagining in a lot of your men's circle that you really worked on anger issues. With oh, them. yeah. Yeah, anger and pulling and creating a safe container to express it. Mm. I mean, anger is real. It's not about don't be angry. It's not about like, oh, I shouldn't be angry. I should be mellow and, you know, peaceful. And, you know, and people would ask, look at me and you angry, rage issues, what? Yeah, because you're a calm guy. Yeah. (laughs) Like, well, you see me in my more, you know, I save it for my closer relationships. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's ang- you know, there's anger in which doesn't need to be repressed, needs to be expressed in healthy ways and safe ways. And so creating that safe container. Can you describe uh, some of the safe ways that you've experienced expressing anger? Um, well, in the men's group, in the, you know, getting pillows out, mm-hmm. beating the crap out of them. So, um, so you're focusing on getting the anger out of your body mm-hmm, by... Mm-hmm hitting pillows but there's a container where you know that it's safe you're not Mm going to go off and Mm -hmm. other men are witnessing making sure that Mm -hmm. you aren't going to go off but it's a safe expression where people aren't scared or intimidated by the expression right Right. yeah and it's interesting the intricacy of the different like there's like grabbing a rope Mm. and sort of twisting like if you think about the ways that i if i think about the ways that i like experience anger in my body and some anger, it's, yeah, it's that calculated, like I want to grab it and twist it and, mm. you know, and some, yeah, sometimes it's like hitting, like I want to get lash it out. out. Yeah. Lash out and hit. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's just yelling. Mm-hmm. I just want to scream at the top of my lungs. Mm-hmm. Ah, you know, what is, you know, I'm right. Exactly. You know, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I'm sure you've, looked into or know there's more than one anger there's yeah there's more a, than yeah but and, anger as you say resides in the body mm-hmm. so it, it emotion is in the body so it needs mm-hmm. to be expressed and mm-hmm. in my experience is that it only happens in the contraction of the body it doesn't happen when the body's relaxed right, right? Mm-hmm. everybody out there if you try to just clench your fist and get, get angry mm-hmm. you're going to do that but if you relax your body and don't clench your teeth there's no way that you can feel yeah. anger yeah. So I think that that's one aspect that men, we're used to contraction, you know, we're used to that aspect of holding our body tense. I mean, you know, the exercises that men do and the bodybuilding and all of that is aspects of contraction or mm-hmm. the way that men then our vocal cords are, are designed to roar, to yeah. intimidate for war and other things. And so when we do contract our muscles, our blood goes through the muscles and they puff up and we're intimidated animals. Mm-hmm. No wonder why our, you know, our partners, our women partners get frightened just seeing us get angry. It's not yeah. that they might be fearful of their physical safety, but they get intimidated just by the visceral feeling of us getting angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I think, but I, and I think safety is. I mean, what I've come to learn is that I, I could be 
saying something completely sensible if my partner doesn't feel safe, mm. completely shut off, mm-hmm. you know? And so, but yeah, and so it helped, it, it has helped for me to, um, yeah, learn how to create safety mm. for, you know, in my relationship, how to create safe situations where, you know, where I can be trusted that I'm not going to go out, I'm not going to go off the handle and, mm. you know. So would you feel more connected with men when they would do their work in a circle even though you might not have an interpersonal relationship with oh, that man. Unbelievable. Like I would see these people once, you know, these men once a week. And I still, I mean, if I were to run into them after not seeing them for a couple of years, you know, I would still feel that level of connection because yeah, because we were involved in intimate space together um, and observing you know, yeah, we're, we're so used to only seeing each other in our uh, high moments or in our, right. our, our, you know, you're at work or you're at, you yeah, know, there's a lot of surface people. talk and a lot of yeah. bullshit that goes around, but mm-hmm. seeing a man be vulnerable and doing their deep work, there's mm-hmm. a lot of respect on another level. So yeah, not only are they an inspiration, but of course that respect comes out for that man that you know that you can connect to them on that level if you choose. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely experienced that. Yeah, no idea what goes on in the rest of their lives, but I, that one day, that one evening a week, mm. you know, I would have sailed to the end of the earth. You know, would have done whatever to mm. to save that or to uh, cherish that. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Cherish is a good word. Cherish, yeah, yeah. this that sacredly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so I've tried to translate that to the more of the relationships that I experience in my daily life. How do you do that? Um, like we've started several men's groups, you know, over the years at Earth Haven and out this way. And you initiated a lot of those after you went to the New Warrior training, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I was. I had a lot of inspiration and motivation to and the men who were in that group in the new warrior in the mankind group would come out and help us mm-hmm. to um you know muster some support but there's a certain level of facilitation and experience required in that shared experience mm-hmm. of going through an initiation together or knowing that another man has gone through it if you didn't go through it with them but like they've gone there and they've done that thing too mm-hmm. that really is important mm-hmm. and I, I I don't devalue or, or not value what I've experienced in groups. Just getting together and connecting and checking in, yeah, right. as men, yeah, is just huge. That, it's just that itself, you know. Yeah. You know, don't not to intimidate you men out there. It, you just getting together in a group just yeah. to share. That's not about doing shadow work or processing, but yeah. just be able to check in mm-hmm. on a truthful and real level that other men get to witness and and hold that and not have to bullshit our way through because i think that that men and to kind of sum up a little bit of a stereotype there's either grandiosity that that men have mm-hmm. or an aspect of some shutdown weakness or even depression there's a lot of male depression right. that gets shut down but also there's a lot of grandiosity so um i think just having that space to just be ourselves is is vital right right did you in men's groups, how did you work with, I'm sure that you had grandiosity, 
narcissism and aspects of depression. How do how do people how do men work with men on that? Are you saying how do men work with if there's a depressed person or if there's, there's a somebody? depressed person? Because you know, men sometimes mm-hmm. we don't have the most eloquent way of of speaking and nurturing mm-hmm. the way that women do. They nurture well. Sometimes men come straight to the point and say, "Hey, wake the fuck up!" You know, just get up, get mm-hmm. out of the funk. Mm-hmm. As opposed to men being more um, nurturing, more emotionally available, and then the other side you know do men call each other out when there's a man who's narcissistic and grandiose you know do they how do they call each other out on that yeah so the so that that one i can speak a little bit more to i mean i think we did there is a process a clearing process which um you know you at the beginning of each circle you know we would sit and we'd look at each each man in the eye say are you clear with this man Um, and, and you would either check in like, yeah, I'm clear, you know, with the men in the circle or I'm not actually, you said something last week that I, you know, isn't sitting right with me. And so there was a process that still one of my favorite thing processes. And I, I, I try to offer it to people regularly in part, just because I see, see the healing process, but just to keep fresh on it, you know, uh, so that I can remember it for my own self, but it's a way to discern, you know, it's a, it's, you know, so you would stand up with the other man, um, you know, we'd have a staff, he'd both hold on to the staff and with the facilitator, um, present to guide. And it, and it was only coming from the man who felt the, didn't Sorry. feel clear. Uh-huh. Right. Like the man who it was about like who Receiving. he had the charge with he, it's not about him. Mm. You know, if I experience, you know, if I experience you people say, you know, you said something downstairs that I thought was narcissistic. Like I'm that, that's, that's my judgment. Mm-hmm. What is that triggering in me? Mm. Where have I seen it before? And it's up to you if you want to witness witness if you want to witness it but if you want to take that in or not right you know you're putting up your shield of that it's your stuff that it's yeah that hey that's that's not my stuff that's that's your stuff Mm -hmm. and and i don't know that i've i don't want to say never i did Mm -hmm. see once (laughs) i don't know that i've ever seen the process not successfully bring a closer connection in in the two people that were in that that, that kind of process can totally transform a uh, direct confrontation and conflict that usually men go, go to fists and cuffs over, or mm-hmm. guns over, and, you know, ultimately mm-hmm. war over. Right. To be able to confront each other in that kind of energetic way um, to be witnessed, but also that to express instead of having to mm-hmm. express it in annihilating another man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and often because the things that we see in another man that may um, trigger something in us is is something that it, it's a point. It can be such a deep point of connection. You know, can be it can if if gone on checked, it can be such a deep separation. But it right. can be such a deep a, a place to connect, mm-hmm. which connect. Yeah, I mean, it's what this is about: is connecting with other men and how to do it in a conscious and you know conscious and more sacred way that 
we don't experience, like you said, what, you know, watching the game together, mm-hmm. watching football together, whatever, you know, the, the ways that men get together. So that's what I would say to the men listening is getting together, turn off the TV, you know, get, get, just get together for a couple of hours mm-hmm. with some men who are close to yeah. you. And hopefully yeah. you women that are listening to really encourage your man to have mm-hmm. connections with other men because mm-hmm. when they start healing and yeah you might think that some of the stuff is silly and they go out but if they are connecting on some kind of level even if it's bonding then they're satisfying some aspect of that so that they don't have to try to pull it from their relationship mm-hmm. so you know i just put out to you women you really want to encourage that and don't shame men if they don't have it but you can definitely encourage men to do that mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Did did uh, your partner, did Julie, how, how was she with encouraging you to do the the men's groups and the work with them? She's been very encouraging. Yeah, very, very encouraging. And, um, and, and then there's a sister organization to it mm-hmm. also that she joined and, and was a part of. What do you too. think she would say of what, what benefits she got out of you doing this kind of work? Oh, gosh. Don't get he's me not as right as he as he he's, um, finally, he's finally admitting that he's not always right. <laughs> yeah, I think that. I mean, I think the the work over the years. You know, I used to, I used to be rageful. I mm. used to have that, and I don't have that anymore. And it was a lot. It was a lot of work re, of reconditioning the voice in my head that kept me that. You know, so I, I think that that yeah. I mean. And looking at it now. So you expressed your anger more in a healthy way towards her? Yeah. I mean, I think I expressed it in a healthy way or I didn't take, I, you know, I used to, I used to wear the label of if I, you know, if I made a mistake or if, 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 if I, if she was angry with me, I would wear the label that I'm a fuck up. Mm-hmm. That not only did I fuck up, but I'm a fuck up too. So you took the shaming yeah. label. Yeah. And so on top of like, oh, I'm in the doghouse. I would beat myself up on top of that, you know? So now the only way out of that, if I'm, you know, a a defeated animal Mm -hmm. is to like lash out, to rage out. You know, the only way out of that is to. And the one closest to you. Yeah. And so when I changed that voice, when I learned the differentiation, you know, from the, from that late, you know, from, okay, I fucked up. And this was, these were the exact words, you know, it it sounds foolish, but these were the exact words. I fucked up, but I'm not a fuck up. Mm. There you go. That's that's the difference between actually guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. Guilt is I did a shitty thing. My behavior, Mm -hmm. shame is I'm a shitty person, my personhood. Right. So that's, that's what um, your expression exactly was, was the aspect of, your behavior, focusing on your behavior, mm-hmm. not you as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it came to where I almost would like start to feel, I wouldn't say joy, but I would like laugh it off mm-hmm. where I would used to like try to fight it off or fight through it. I would just like, okay, I fucked up. Not the last time, not the first time, not going to be the last time, whatever. I'm a human. I've got to move on and live my life. I'm not going to wear that. Right. I'm not going to keep putting that on top of me again so I, I i'd get up from it yeah yeah i think that's the biggest thing for men to heal is to heal their inadequacy you know mm-hmm. i think that in some way we're we're genetically born for inadequacy 
when, when we ejaculate, millions or billions of sperm <laughs> goes out and maybe only one of those suckers make it, you know? Yeah. So, so like we're biologically inadequate in some way. Yeah. But I think that, you know, men, um, we don't get vulnerable when we feel inadequate, especially when it comes to our, our partner and a heterosexual relationship. If it's a woman's feeling of dissatisfaction, we take that personally. If she's not happy and satisfied, we totally take that personally. Right. We feel inadequate, but we mm -hmm. don't recognize that inadequacy. Mm -hmm. We don't go, oh, you know, I'm not really satisfying my woman's head. We get angry. Mm -hmm. We blame mm -hmm. or we stonewall or we withdraw. Mm -hmm. And that usually set off a woman's fear and anxiety and deprivation of connection. And mm -hmm. so recognizing that inadequacy and accepting it with some levity, some self-love, self-compassion is yeah. vital. Yeah. 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 That that's exactly the process I went through. Like I said, I would, I would almost like sort of smirk about it. like, oh, there it did. <laughs> did it again. How do you think that's yeah. that's helping you um being beneficial to you as a, a father of uh, young children? Uh, it's probably going to take me still some time honestly to mm -hmm. to wake up to that realization. I I don't think I'm thriving in the the realization that like oh this isn't this is a this it, parenting is a messy thing mm, yeah you know it's not straightforward and clean for even the model parents so you, you can know? have that same expression i i fucked up but i'm not a fuck yeah, up as yeah, a parent. yeah yeah exactly yeah mm. and um yeah I, I i do need to hear that more for myself or say that more to myself that um because yeah, the, the, I see the same. Okay, here's another layer of anger coming out. Now I'm in the, the you know, I'm in the teeth clenching. Mm. You know, right. that's like my latest. Like, just yeah. do it how I said to do it. Because the kids or, not listening to what I want to do. Yeah, right? yeah. You know? So I'm in that teeth clenching form mm. of anger of like, you know, um, you know. So, uh, how does it rule? What was the question again? Like, yeah, how how, do, how does some of the the teachings or experience of some of the healing in, in your relationship right. with, with men or even your relationship with your own anger, you know, especially with, with your son Forrest, you know, mm. I'm imagining that he's going to have probably a different experience than you had in relationship with emotions and connection from a father and son standpoint. So I'm wondering like, what would you want to instill in him mm -hmm. um, in a way that, uh, based on your connection with him as a father and son and, and the first man, man that he's really relating to. Yeah. Right. So how, yeah, I would want to, you know, your emotions are okay. Mm. You know, is the big thing is like, you know, and I, I see myself too. I mean, I hear my dad's voice in my way. I talk to him sometime. I go, Oh wait, okay, hold on. Your emotions are okay. You can, you can express that emotion. I might not like it. Yeah, I'm not, not going to like it. And we've got to get somewhere and, you know, whatever, <laughs> like come, you know, get, get, get through in the it. Car. Get in, get in the car. Yeah, man. yeah. But, you know, okay. So, yeah. So just telling, you know, letting them know that their emotions are okay. They're real. Um, I think that's, it, that's, it, a, yeah. that's a big one. That mm -hmm. That's probably to instill in, in a... And a young boy, probably the biggest lesson, your emotions are okay. Because in society, mostly boys' emotions are not okay. Mm -hmm. You know, when they're feeling mm -hmm. sad or weak, you know, 
sure it's changing but the aspect of don't cry mm-hmm. don't be sad you know shake it off yeah instead of acknowledging that emotion so it doesn't get suppressed and a pressure cooker and comes out hugely sideways and and mm-hmm. and very adversely so yeah. that's a great message yeah. and even in i mean I, I see it even in our alternative culture you know that that we've attempted to create that there is like a there's still a um illiteracy uh in terms of you know i still have that illiteracy in terms of you know how to uh how to exp- how to allow that expression of emotion to be heard you know your kids melting down in the middle of the grocery store mm. you just want to like cover it up and <laughs> stuff it in a box and get exactly. it out the door and you right. know you know, or what? I, you know, I don't bring my kids to the grocery <laughs> store. I'm just like, uh, I'm gonna do my shopping. You stay out. Yeah, you stay out of here, and I'm. I gotta, you know. Yeah, because we, I'm too. You know, you, like I, 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 you know, I'm. I'm always when I see someone else's kid melting down. I'm like, wondering how. You know, how do I like empathically help that out? help that situation? Because mostly it's like everybody's just trying to tune it out and. get their own thing done you know it's like i think there's still an illiteracy there of how to help and how you know our our, i mean yeah like you said we could do a whole parenting Mm. you know (laughs) there's 20 shows to do on that one yeah everybody knows how challenging that that can be yeah because our 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 societies aren't are you know are increasingly quickened Mm -hmm. fast-paced you know high-tech societies don't give kids the space anymore is there anything that you're doing over in your community at earth haven with the young boys to process emotion together as young boys that you think is different than uh some of the typical ways society works i know we need to do it more and and it it is one of the challenges Mm -hmm. i'm you know a teacher for one of the days uh, of our homeschool co-op and it is one of the challenges i'm having is how to communicate together have you ever thought about uh, doing a young boys circle uh i have thought you know i have and i you know i've thought of it as okay as they get a little older maybe but mm-hmm. they are i mean they're right. seven eight you know and yeah, they're starting old it's like that that age that that's a good idea mm-hmm. you know i really could see that benefiting you know getting the fathers and the boys together to to really express yeah because i think it's it's wonderful i think when fathers get together Mm -hmm. with boys and they do initiation through through aspects of challenges in the let's say the nature and wilderness and have the boys become very self-efficient and Mm -hmm. moving past challenges but i think it's really powerful when men can hold that space for young boys or young men from the emotional challenges and because that to me is going to be as much of a challenge in their life as it is going to be surviving the aspects of the natural world yeah. is the aspect of surviving the emotional world in their relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And I'd say like the, the thing I see happening mostly, I guess would be modeling of that That's right. behavior. And I, I always attempt to model pro- proper speed, you know, or not proper, but you know, Okay, what you know, what I'm feeling right now mm-hmm. when I see you hit him is I'm feeling scared for his sake. Like I'm mm. responsible for keeping him safe right now, and I'm feeling scared that that I'm I'm not doing my job, and 
I'm feeling scared about that. So, you know, just modeling the behavior of speaking about here's my emotional response to this, mm. you know. And and that that is a wonderful teaching. And parents have to know the difference between doing that as mm-hmm. authentic or doing that manipulative to make their child feel guilty. I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you yeah, how, yeah. How, yeah. how sad you're making me as opposed <laughs> yeah. to this is what yeah. I'm feeling when you do this and own our feelings. Yeah. And that just so that our children would be able to witness our feelings and not be codependent on our feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do both. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I'm healthy and <laughs> on it and sometimes... I'm just another dad. Yeah. Well, that's the whole route through the murkiness. Yeah. That's the beauty of it is that, that we don't, that in uh, asking that question, I know for me around grandiosity, that's one aspect of not getting caught in grandiosity is like to be able to come back to my own stuff. I know like, man, I am, I'm just a human being. I don't get done. Only stakes get done. I am just a process of learning and and moving through this world as best as I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we were talking earlier about having a little insight into men being deprived of intimacy from other men, because that's kind of a word that we don't use right. among men itself, and unless there's a different sexual identity that occurs between men that it's safe to have intimacy. So usually men don't feel safe to know what intimacy is with another man. Can you speak to some of that? Yeah, I think it's one of the the biggest losses uh, one of the the biggest uh, things we've deprived ourselves of as men, and um, and I, you know, is this touch from other men is is hugely important to me, and um, and yeah, comes clouded with so much. Oh, that's gay. That's you know, homo. You know, I, I mean, I just you know, just growing up in the nineties, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't want to be gay or called a faggot or, right. you know, that was like, so you had to do anything you could to sort of stave off any sense that that was the case, you know, the stigma. Of that, yeah, yeah. The stigma of that. And so, um, when I let my guard down and have allowed myself to be vulnerable, I find that it's just a deeply, deeply nourishing experience to be held by another man to to hold another man to so we're talking physically being held by another man not not just the space holding the space yeah yeah physically touching yeah Yeah. physically you know we're you know again in our like alternative culture we're you know cuddling with you know heterosexual cuddling or whatever is Mm -hmm. seems appropriate and allowable and you know and i think of even in like when i think about my own needs getting met and i think of it as like oh i want to want to cuddle and there's a a, a woman oh okay mm-hmm. can touch but no it's it's available to us mm-hmm. as men so sitting next to another man and leaning mm-hmm. against him and right. putting your head on his lap or whatever having another yeah. man just just hold you in that in that way yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah you know and being able to touch and be touched and you know, not this is all non-sexual mm-hmm. ways. You know, this is just um, the the experience is is uh, yeah. It's a it's immensely healing. 
I think, I you know, even from a physical standpoint, mm-hmm. when we're touched by another human being that we feel safe with, our mm-hmm. cortisol levels automatically go down, our stress hormones. Mm-hmm. So sometimes men, I think, are just on guard with another mm-hmm. man, just even from a visceral animalistic standpoint. Mm-hmm. So when there's a safe touch, we automatically can feel safe mm-hmm. with one another in that intimate, non-sexual, safe touch so that mm-hmm. we can feel more safe physically around other men. Right. I grew up in a in a family my father held me kissed me said i love you every day never raised his voice to me never hit me none wow. of the men in my family ever raised their voice or hit mm-hmm. me i had grandfathers and uncles so like i was i i see how fortunate i am because that's a rarity yeah so i grew up with friends that we were like that we touched and mm. hugged a lot we slept in the same bed at times yeah, you know yeah. just just yeah. um and now my good friends they know me i'm a toucher i when I get excited, I just grab them around and just mm-hmm. hug them and tell mm-hmm. them how much I love. As a father, I was able to pass that down. My son is 22. We still lay on the sofa together and we we lay close and he puts his head on my shoulder and and uh, wonderful hugs every day. And so I think that, that that's an absolute vital core, as you're saying, to mm-hmm. to increase intimacy with other men. Yeah, 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 I love that. Yeah, the other day we walked. My son and I were walking, and he he came to me and grabbed my hand to hold it, and it's just like, oh, right, you know, he's he's way before any mm-hmm. of that stuff comes right. in. Societal stuff comes in of like, you know, I want to keep that keep that going, right? You know, I want that to be our yeah uh, reality and our and, and you're right. That doesn't have to stop at that yeah. age, you know. Yeah. With my father instilling that, I, I remember there was times I was uh, playing baseball and my father would come and sit on the bench and he would lean over and kiss me. And I remember I wasn't embarrassed about that because there mm-hmm. was something about our relationship that I knew the other guys didn't have. And I was going to make sure that publicly I was fine with it. And mm-hmm. I think that that's an aspect of making it so... um not routine, so normal right. in, a, in a kid's mm-hmm. life that it becomes normal. Mm-hmm. I was never embarrassed. And mm-hmm. so hopefully young kids, when they experience mm-hmm. that with their parents, young boys, that they will find it to be more normal and not be embarrassed by it. Sure, that might happen at some age, but hopefully sure. that yeah. we as fathers can st- st- not stop that at, at a certain age. Yeah. To keep it going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you find that that men are challenged by that when you introduce that concept to them about increasing intimacy? I'm among men? I'm challenged. By <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm I'm still I'm not right. I'm speaking this <laughs> I'm I'm speaking as I mean I'm always I've been a hugger and I'm always up for hugs, but I'm right. speaking from my own, you know, undoing and reformatting. Yeah, and, and yeah, and it's it's for my closer friend you know it's like okay i'm still this is like and which is fine i mean i think that's how it should be i don't want to be just intimate and with every you know with people i don't feel intimate with that's right you know so i think but so that's what you're saying is like really being able to not hold back and express Mm -hmm. intimate feelings with people that you feel intimate with right and not hold that back right a a story a friend a friend of mine told me that i think he'll be fine with me telling he's a twin Mm-hmm. And um, when they were adults, I don't know, maybe in their 30s or 40s, he said to his twin brother, hey, there was nobody around. They were in the forest. He said, let's hold hands and walk. Yeah. And they tried that. And sure enough, 
they only were able to do it. I think his brother like let go within, you know, a couple minutes mm -hmm. just because of the uncomfortableness. Here, two brothers, two twins, yeah. nobody around, and the uncomfortableness of that, of course, surfaced. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of a telltale sign of like where men are in this. You know, yeah. other societies, Middle Eastern societies, a lot of them they hold hands while they're mm -hmm. walking. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, yeah. but we don't do that in our culture. No. So. Yeah. So me and you, man, we're gonna like bust out. We're gonna be holding hands when we're walking down. All right, walking down the street. We'll, we'll see what people say. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Let's do it. Won't be so weird in Asheville. That's right. There we go. <laughs> Make Asheville weird. Yeah. Well, man, thanks. Yeah. I really appreciate this this conversation. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks a lot for allowing me to speak it too. It's you know stuff that I've been working on or it's been present for me mm. for years, and so it's a good opportunity to to share and hear what hear what I've been doing, you know, as well. And I'm so glad that there's men out there like you that are doing this work. Yeah, thanks, people. Mm -hmm. Thanks, everybody. Make yourselves a beautiful day. Relationships. Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed professional counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk at adithemonk.com. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is produced by Podcraft. Create your own great podcast today, faster and easier at podcraft.us.